Some of us get lost when death comes too soon and too suddenly for someone we love, and we experience a crisis of faith that leaves us reeling. Some of us get lost when our marriages die. Some of us get lost when our children break our hearts. Some of us get lost in the throes of addiction, anxiety, unforgiveness, hatred, or bitterness. Uh, the parables in front of us this morning are pretty familiar. They are beloved parables. And fun note, they are supposed to be three lost parables and the lectionary for all of its good has some faults. This I believe is one of them, that it splits the story of the lost son, we sometimes call it the prodigal son, and puts it in another Sunday all by itself, which is fine. Also, Jesus told these right in a row. So keep that context in your mind. You know I love digging into the context, so that's how we're gonna start today. These parables are often widely, in my opinion, misunderstood and misused. So often these parables are taken out of their intended context and used to make a number of sort of gotcha points, right? For example, I've so often heard these parables in Luke's Gospel as a lesson for us, our job to go out and seek the lost, right? So a few quick problems I have with this. I'll try to keep it short, my list is long, but I'll start short. How do we decide who the lost are? If we think about it, this way of looking at the parable, setting, setting us up, it really sets us up to categorize people, right? Uh, in or out, lost or found, good or bad. And if we get to be the ones deciding this, then I understand why this interpretation is so popular. We love to make those decisions for people, right? The conceit to go and tell someone that they are lost, but no worry, I found you today, uh, I have a lot of problems with that. It is too much for me. So instead, I wonder if we might look at the context to which Jesus is speaking for clues about what this is saying instead. Not surprising, Luke gives us this context very quickly, uh, though uh, it's, it's just a throwaway first sentence, it's pretty obvious. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners, notice those are two separate categories, but make no mistake, both sinners, were coming near to listen to Jesus. Starting off real hot here, Luke, okay? So the Pharisees and scribes see this happening and they are grumbling, saying, this fellow, this guy, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Gasp, the audacity. The Greek word here is an onomatopoeia, it's gonguzo. It means grumble, gonguzo, gonguzo, gonguzo. You can hear it, it's so fun, gonguzo, ugh, gonguzo. Grumble, grumble, grumble. So, Luke says, in the face of the grumbling, Jesus tells a parable. I'm gonna read them both again really quickly. I want you to hear them as if you are the grumbler, as if you are annoyed at Jesus for hanging out with the wrong kind of people, those people, as if you think Jesus should be in the temple where you are and there within the guidelines that you have already set. So Jesus needs to be in the temple doing this kind of talking, right? So if you can 
Try to find that feeling within you. Imagine that feeling, get a little grumbly, get a little grumbly with me. I can access that feeling real easily, no worries. So here we go, right? Get a little grumbly. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep that was lost. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. If you hear this parable, both of these, from the perspective of a grumbler, did anything change for you in hearing it? I'll tell you that for me, I noticed two things. First, Jesus counteracts grumbling with joy. Five times, in five verses, rejoice, rejoice, joy, rejoice, joy. That's how it goes. The second thing I noticed was that in these parables, the finder and rejoicer is God. God is doing the seeking, God is doing the finding, and then God invites everybody to the party because parties are fun. The grumblers in this story are upset because Jesus goes to hang out with sinners and Jesus' response is to tell stories about seeking and finding and rejoicing. It turns out this is not about sinners at all, is it? It's not even about who is lost. It's about who does the finding. When it's about who's doing the finding, then the question of who is lost changes a bit, doesn't it? Is it the people who aren't here? I mean... It must be, right? It can't possibly be us who are sitting in this room that are the lost ones. That doesn't seem right. As we talked through this story in our text study this week, Pastor Jenny said, being here doesn't mean you're found, and not being here does not mean you are lost. I felt so much beauty and grace in that statement, and yet my next question is always, okay, well then tell me who's lost. I really really want to know the answer to that. Author and columnist Debbie Thomas started me thinking about this in a new way this week. She wrote, The lost lamb in the first parable belongs to the shepherd's flock from the very beginning of the story. It is his lamb. Likewise, the coin in the second parable belongs to the woman before she loses it. The coin is one of her very own. In other words, these parables are not about the lost outsiders finding salvation and becoming Christian. These parables are about us, the insiders, the churchgoers, the bread and wine consumers, the Bible readers. These are parables about lostness on the inside. Lostness happens to God's people. It happens within beloved community. It's not that we cross over once and for all from a sinful lostness to a righteous foundness. We get lost over and over and over again, and God finds us over and over and over again. Listen to the sentence, y'all. Lostness is not a blasphemous aberration. It is part and parcel of the life of faith. 
So what does it mean to be lost? It means so many things within the beloved community. It might mean we lose our sense of belonging or our capacity to trust. Maybe we lose our felt experience of God's presence. We lose our will to persevere. Some of us get lost when illness descends on our lives and God's goodness starts to look, you know, not quite as good. Some of us get lost when death comes too soon and too suddenly for someone we love and we experience a crisis of faith that leaves us reeling. Some of us get lost when our marriages die. Some of us get lost when our children break our hearts. Some of us get lost in the throes of addiction, anxiety, unforgiveness, hatred, or bitterness. Debbie Thomas this week also said, some of us get lost very close to home, within the very walls of the church. We get lost when prayer turns to dust in our mouth, when the scriptures we once loved lie dead on the page, when sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning makes our skin crawl, when even the most well-intentioned sermon sucks the oxygen right out of our lungs, when the table of bread and wine that once nourished us now leaves us hungry, cranky, and bewildered. I think the truth contained in today's gospel, today's familiar gospel, is that we all feel lost. In one way or another, we all feel some kind of lostness, right? But our identity is not lost. At our core, we are all found. Over and over and over again, we are found because that is how we started. We keep getting lost and found, but we were always at our core found. When we begin to understand this, internalize it, I think it makes getting lost a little less scary. It makes it okay to feel lost, to not know how we fit or if we fit or to wonder where we belong and who will go with us. No matter how lost you feel, you are always found in God. And the best part of these parables for me, a doer, fixer, trier, right? The best part of these parables is that the finding is God's job. Which one of you, Jesus said, would leave the 99 in the wilderness for the one? Who wouldn't tear their house apart for a single penny? The point is that most of us, I would dare say, like none of us would do this. This is intentionally ridiculous of Jesus to say. No one does this. But God does. God does this. Notice in these stories, the sheep and the coin, they don't do anything to help God find them. They don't do anything, say anything, believe anything to make themselves worthy of finding. And yet God finds them so worthy. And God finds them. Finds you, finds me, finds all of us, in whatever way we feel lost on this day. 
Again, Debbie Thomas said more perfectly what I was thinking uh, in beautiful words when she said, it's hard for me to believe I'm worth looking for, that I'm not expendable, that I'm loved enough and desired enough to warrant a long, hard, diligent search. It's so hard to trust that God won't give up on me, that God does God's best work when I'm utterly lost and unable to find myself. And then that God will feel so much joy at my recovery that God will tell the whole world the good news and throw a party. Who doesn't want to do that, right? God does all the finding and then calls us together to what? Rejoice. Five times. Rejoice, rejoice, joy, rejoice, joy. Remember? God calls us all together to have a party. Every time anyone comes to the table, whether they've been eating there for decades or this is their very first meal, God rejoices. Anytime anyone recognizes that they have been found yet again, God rejoices and we get to join the joy party. There are two kinds of people in today's story. Grumblers, gyozo, 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 or rejoicers. I am an expert level grumbler, expert level, truly. But God invites us to rejoice, to leave the grumbling behind, to recognize our foundness and have a party that is pure joy. This is what God does. After all, when the Pharisees and scribes say, why are you doing this, Jesus? He says, because it's fun. You should join in. What brings God joy? When we come together, when we are all together, when we gather around a table or a yard game or a bouncy house and we spend time together, when there is just a big old party to celebrate the fact that we have once again been found, God rejoices. And so do we. Amen. This is from a pastor colleague of me and Jenny's, uh, Emmy Kegler. She wrote a book on these parables called One Coin Found. If you want to go look at it, just a little plug for Emmy's book. She's great. She wrote a blessing called For the So-Called Lost. Jesus, I am lost. They told me to follow you, and I did. To the edges, to the margins, to the humble and grieving, to the oppressed and slandered where you always showed you were. And when I called back to them to show with joy what I had found, to celebrate what had been restored, they called me lost instead. They call me wanderer, they call me stubborn, they call me a black sheep. It was supposed to be all green pastures and still waters. It was supposed to be all restored souls, but all I could taste were my unattended doubts that all bubbled up were troubled waters of unanswered questions. And for asking them, the shepherd said my soul was wrong. Jesus, today I heard how pennies can't be made of copper anymore because the amount of copper needed to make a penny is more expensive than a penny is worth. And Lord, I feel it. They asked me to be something smaller, to be pressed down into something worth less, 
to be crushed into something worthless. Jesus, I have tried. I've tried to be small enough. I've tried to be shiny. I've tried to be worthy. But every time I press myself with the imprint of someone else's expectations, it misses the mark, and I am left off-center. So here I am, Lord, a quarter clinking around in the bottom of the divine washing machine, a nickel dropped under the car seat, ground into a gritty floor, a penny slipping from a pocket, rolled into a corner under the bed where dust mites and bobby pins are my only fellow believers. Jesus, I need to see the broom in your hands. I want to hear you turning over each empty pitcher and shaking out every neatly folded sheet. I need to see your belly pressed against the floor and your dark eyes peering into my own darkness. You know darkness, Lord. It doesn't scare you. You made it. Long before your hands were bound in wrinkles and veins, you crafted night and day, and you are afraid of neither. But I am lost, and I am afraid. Lord, they call me lost, and if I am, I want you to find me the way you found the world, nicked at the edges, dusty and rusty, called unwanted and unworthy, and still your hands reached out to cradle every worthless coin like each was a pearl of great price. Jesus, in this congregation of the forgotten corner, I am finding I am not alone. We are the church of the still lost in the lost and found. So when you come, bring a satchel ready to collect what longs for home. Jesus, for every sheep and coin and child called lost, may you whisper, found. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.